Welcome to the Wave Report. My name is Joe Waters, aka Mr. Keep the Same Energy. Now, before I toss it over to anybody else, I would like to welcome you to such an amazing podcast, right? So this podcast is so awesome that you have to first subscribe to it, okay? <laughs> so you have to subscribe to it on YouTube. You have to make sure you like the page on Facebook and Instagram. Now, one of the reasons why I really need you to do this is so that we can make money. And that money that we're going to make is going to be made from a team perspective. And there is no person greater uh, when we talk about team than my guest today, which happens to be my co-host on this podcast. Uh, Sir, can you please introduce yourself? I'm Tremonte. I'm the co-host of The Wave Report. Uh, I'm a troll on Facebook, if you see me. Uh that's it. I'm just a troll. I don't really have anything important to say. So this is my flash nigga over here. You know what I mean? He out here. You know what I mean? He out here. You feel me? So one of the things we like to do here at the Wave Report is, you know, you see us interview other people. Like, we want to know your story. We want to welcome you onto the show so we can know your story. But it's tough to do that sometimes if you don't know our story. Mm. So mm. Tremonte, 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 we are here today. But before I get into today, oh. let's let's rewind a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where are you from, Tremonte? From everywhere, man. From everywhere? I'm going to not troll this episode. I'm going to try not to troll <laughs> this episode. I'm from Tampa. Okay. I was born and raised in Tampa. I grew up in between Temple Park and Central Park, but primarily Temple Park. Um, shout out to my... My, my fellow peers from there, uh, those of us who made it out anyway. Born and raised in Tampa. I stayed in Alabama briefly. Uh, I love the country. Love the country. Uh, but that's where I'm from. I was born and raised in Tampa. Now, so I lied. Not from everywhere. Now, you said that um, you lived in Tampa, Tampa Park, right? Yeah. yeah. Is, are they still, is it still there? Or? For the time being. For Gentrification time being? is a real thing, brother. Okay. Gentrification is a real thing. How does Tem- that make you feel? <clears throat> Nostalgia, man, is powerful. When you have memories of a place where you used to run around, do things you weren't supposed to do, but it was love. You know, it was love. And it was familiar. It was familiar. And when you know what gentrification is, um, for the people who are not from the area, they had planned to build the new Ray Stadium, Tampa Bay Ray Stadium, in the area. So not in that specific space. And they actually didn't get approved for it. So they had already, because this is a real story. So my sister was still living there. My, my baby sister was still living there. And she was one of the people who got an eviction notice. Like, you have to get out in a certain amount of time because they had presumed they were going to get approved to build a stadium near the area. So they're going to try to clear space. And when my sister got an eviction letter, my sister was cool. She was like, okay, I just go stay with my mom. That was like the first half. Then they didn't get approved. So it was like, okay, well, it's, it's empty. There's vacancies here. And then what happened was 
because obviously you have your family staying where you're from and stuff like that. My uncle was still living there. And he called me. He was like, they're getting rid of the rest of us. And he just said it so straightforward. Like, what do you mean they're getting rid of the rest of you? And he said, um, the rest of us got eviction notices. So they're going to really tear it all down. Now, Central Park was already torn down. And they had tried to rebuild like a more bougie type of apartment in its space. It didn't quite work out. It looked good from a distance, but um, so you just knew it was a matter of time. It's right across the street from each other that they were going to tear Temple Park down. So it's there for the time being, but it's almost like a distant memory uh, for me now. Now, when you, you talk about memories, um, tell me a little bit about your upbringing. Uh, so even though there gentrification is causing such a big impact. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that you made it out. Tell me about your upbringing and uh, what is it that you made it out from? Well, I was raised by my mom, strong, strong black woman. Um, I didn't know. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell y'all a story. I'm going to tell y'all a real story, man. My last name is my sister's dad's last name. It's not my biological father's last name. What that means is I was I was lied to about who my biological dad was. Um, I didn't know who my biological dad was until the day he got out of prison. Me and my mom were in a drive through of churches. So I'm not making this up. And we were ordering, and she said the churches was in Temple Park. That's how, that's how long ago I lived there. Um... And she said, you know that, that guy I kind of mentioned to you, you know, as you're growing up? And I kept telling like he was your uncle or something like that. She was like, that's your, that's your dad. You know, as a child, I was 15, 16, I'm like, okay, why are you telling me this? Let me get a two-piece with a biscuit and a uh, pepper. <laughs> I, I, I was like, I don't really. Mm-hmm. I don't, as a kid, you can't process that in mm-hmm. real time. Um, my sister's dad, I always thought he was my dad. I had his last name. We kind of looked alike. So I was like, well, it's my father. I still call him my father, you know, because he did play. He wasn't always around, but he did play an integral role in how I grew up and some of the things that I still carry with me uh, to this day. My mom worked two or three jobs at a time and did hair in the house. He was a hustler um, to help us survive. Side note, um, and I know it's something we'll get to as we go throughout the interview. When you're a kid, you don't understand compassion. You don't understand compassion. I was resentful towards my mom for a long time. For one, she didn't tell me who my real dad was. As I kind of got to know him, I seen the validity in what she was saying, why she didn't really want me to meet him. But yet and still, you got to let me see that. Right. Uh, you don't understand compassion. I resented my mom not knowing that my mom did what she knew how to do. So hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't, I, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to cut you off fully, right? But you All said right. something that's, you said a few things that's pressing. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna cover them one by one by one by one. You resented your mom? That's right. I resented my mom. I need you to educate me. How, how, how is it that you were in your upbringing able to resent your mom? What, did, what happened that caused you to resent her? Well. A lot of things happen. Um, growing up, our parents, our guardians, are superheroes. You know, those are the people we idolize. Those are the people we look up to, amongst other people. And as you get older, you realize they're human too. 
Now, it may not be appropriate for you to criticize them, but it is appropriate for you to see them as a whole person and that they were not perfect in a lot of things that they've done. And some of their ways stunted your growth. Uh, I resented my mom because she didn't tell me the full truth about who my dad was, which for a black man in America is very important. Um, I also felt like my mom, she, my mom wasn't very strict but she was strict on things that, as a kid, you should have freedom in. Parents see restriction as protection. I'm protecting you from this. Um, I don't want you hanging with these people. Uh, but what you're doing, you're making me ill-prepared for society. I'm going to be around people who aren't the best people. Right. I'm going to make mistakes. Um, and I have to learn from them. You protecting me from everything isn't really going to help me. Uh, and then um, my mom she wasn't big on education herself Um, but when I started to go to school she didn't really understand why I was going to school and to me I'm like nobody in my nobody in the family has went to college why are you I was like, you don't want me to go. Because when you're black and you're poor, you want money. Right. I need to see money immediately. And education is a long battle. You know what I mean? It's, it takes years. Even four years for uh, getting your degree. And I started from the bottom. So I started from community college. Which the graduation rate is 22%. So people don't really transfer from there. They don't really finish. To going to a four-year university. And then on towards master's degree if you want to keep going like that. So it's almost like she she never stopped me from going. But she also wasn't like the best motivator. <laughs> she motivated me as she seen I was serious. Right. Like I'm really going to finish. Because uh, in my estimation, what other choice did I have as a black man? Right. How many how many black men become rappers? You see a lot of them, but in comparison, it's like a very small percentage. Correct. And then of those who rap, how many of them really have money? And then after you rap, what are you going to do with your life? You're not going to rap for 40 years. I'm relatively short. I'm not going to be an athlete. I'm not going to be a basketball player. I'm not going to be LeBron. Uh, so I'm not going to make a lot of money in, in that arena in athletics or music. And then as you grow as a black person, you're we're creative by nature. That's a fact. We're innovators. Although some other people tend to take the credit for our innovation, we're innovators. But the arts, when you grow up, even when you're in college, so I mean me in college, I was one of the few people in the arts arts program. I like words. <laughs> Most of these people you go for business, you're going for psychology. <laughs> All right, people just don't really like reading like that no more. I'm one of the few people, not to mention I'm a black man, so I wasn't taken seriously. A lot of my classes were with white women, but I didn't see many black people in there. Uh, so, circling back, I resented my mom f for those things, but after a while, the resentment wears thin. That's what I was going to ask you. Like, for me, I'm one of those people where I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of stories where people. 
say, oh, man, this person was so hard on me or this person was so hard on me. But then that turns into an appreciation. Like kids could be like, my mom whipped me when I got young, when I was a kid. But then it turns into an appreciation like, oh, you know what? I respect my elders now. Um, For you, what did that resentment blossom into for Mm. you? Um, How does that impact? Like, how does that to rephrase that question a little bit better? That resentment, did it blossom into you and your mom having, uh, like, is your relationship with her today different than it was back then? My relationship with my mom today is probably the best it's ever been because we have an understanding. Okay. Uh, Me and my mom have the same personality. She isn't the best thing. (laughs) She's not going to back down. I'm not going to back down. Uh, My stepdad told me something once as I was growing up. I'll never forget it. Um, and I didn't really learn this until I was in my upper twenties. So my stepdad, you know, one of the times that my mom was married, he would never intervene when me and my mom would go back and forth in the house. He would kind of stay out of it. And, you know, on my, <laughs> so when me and him would like go grocery shopping or something like that, I'd be like, man, why you don't ever say nothing? You know, I'm right. Why you don't ever say anything? And he looked at me one day. He started laughing. He said, he looked at me, said, even when you're right, you're wrong. Like, I don't understand that. I don't, like, what are you talking about? And he said, even if I told you what I meant, he was like, you're not, you're not going to understand. He's like, it just take time. And I was still like, no, I want to know now. Right. And of course he was correct. Growing, growing up, I'm like, this is, you only get one mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was foreign to me when I met people whose mom died when they were young or they, they got adopted. They never who knew who their mom was. I'm like, at least I know who my mom is. Right. And that's a blessing uh, within itself. But as far as the understanding part, and this is tough when you're a child. This is, this is a, a difficult thing to learn. Your parent has to understand at some point that you're an adult. They have to. And you, as their child, have to understand that that's going to always be your mom or your dad or whomever it is that raised you. But there has to be a mutual understanding. I see a lot of people my age when they're growing up, it's like whenever their mom calls them, whenever their dad calls them, they have to just do what they say. I'm not like that. Trash. I'm not like that. Now, I'll listen and I'll be considerate, but I have my own household. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm married. You know, some people have kids. I just have my other obligations. You know, if it's of if it's imperative, and I do whatever. Well, my mom's now. My mom's married. You don't need to be calling me for everything. You have to understand. I have my own life too, and we have an understanding. I always respect my mom. My mom is the strongest person I know because I've seen it. You know, and I get a lot of my strength from her. Um, on the other hand. My mom has grown to understand that I'm a man and I'm going to make my own decisions. You're not going to always agree with what I do or how I move, but you don't have to. You have, but we have to respect each other's lives. You have, you have to respect that what you ingrained in me as a child, I'm going to carry with me. And I do. Um, but I cannot, because, just because you're my mom, I cannot just drop everything and, and do everything for you. Uh, Cause I have another woman, who at this point in my life is more important. Correct. And you raised me, 
<clears throat> you raised me to be that way and you raised me to think like that. And that that's what I do. Got you. So, I mean, when you say that, you know, it brings up two things for me. Um, the first is a short question, and the second one is a little bit, I want you to expound on a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so, the first, uh, you know, you say you only have one life to live. You get one mom. Yeah, um, that's right. So, speaking about the one life to live, uh, why do you jeopardize it and not wear condoms? Because you, you said to me earlier that you don't wear condoms. Uh, you're not a condom kind of person. Where did this uh, theology come from in not uh, 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 strapping up uh, before you ride the saddle? That wasn't gonna troll. You should always wear a condom. Okay. Safe sex. STDs are easily passed. Okay. The HIV rate is very high in Florida, especially, especially Miami. Uh, uh, Polk County. Yes. Uh, you should definitely always definitely Polk County. Wear condoms and be safe uh, during any sexual activity. Simple. Me. Uh, okay. I was about to say. Let's get into you. I don't know how to put on a condom. All right, and so now uh, <laughs> I'm, being, I'm being serious. Okay. I don't really know how to put one on. Um, every time my wife knows this stuff. Anytime I've had any sexual relations with any woman, they've put the condom on for me if they wanted me to use a condom. So it's not always just a man. Sometimes a woman's like, I don't want you to use a rubber. And me, because I believe in God, I don't question that. So I'm like, okay, she's cool, she's safe. <laughs> She's safe, you know what I'm saying? I'm gonna walk with Christ on here. Right? You know what I'm saying? We're gonna we gonna do it. We gonna <laughs> We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. Say less. Uh, the feeling is better. I don't think nobody would disagree. I it mean, feels that's, better. That's a fact. It's not as safe, but it feels better. Uh Jesus came. And back. I but another to my upbringing, I never had a sex talk. Is that's no excuse for uh, my behavior at all. Okay. But I never had somebody sit down and explain to me, when you're in high school, nobody listened to that. Yeah, you do. You put this on, you put this on. You telling me this, but you're fucking wrong. Mm -hmm. In your real life, you're having sex without a condom. Yeah. Uh, I never had a talk about uh, protecting yourself or getting tested and stuff like that until I met my wife. My wife was like, you're going to go get tested. I was like, where do I go, though? I was like, I, don't <laughs> I, just, I didn't know. No, you know, when you're in the hood, you're just doing whatever. It's whatever. <laughs> I was like, so where do I go? She's like, you go here. So you get tested for this, this, and this. And then she told me recently, this is crazy that I'm learning this as a 30-year-old male, 32-year-old male. She was like, you get, they test you for everything, but they only tell you your results. They're not supposed to tell you that. I said, what? I just learned. I just learned this. She would know because she used to do social work. They'll tell you whatever you're positive for. That's crazy. You could be... I'm 32. Hey. That's crazy. Hey, niggas out here with the clap, not even knowing it. Anyway, transitioning to a little That's bit more. That's crazy. So, obviously you've been living life on the edge. But, <laughs> at the same time, you've been trying to further life. Yeah. So, yeah. I, you know, I came from the hood. Mm -hmm. School was difficult for me. You know, I, I was about getting the money. Uh -huh. But for you, something made you decide that, you know what, I want to take this education to the next level. I, I would really love to know what that was. What made you say after high school where you're legally done with school? Yeah. You ain't got to go back. Your time is yours. Uh -huh. What made you say, you know what, I want to further my education? Well, when I got out of high school, I went to the military. I went to the Navy. And I got kicked out of the Navy. Uh, so my life would have been completely different. 
I went to the Navy because high school wasn't a challenge for me. Um, I thought the classroom material was a joke. Uh, I thought it was a big social club. And I'm sociable to an extent. At, at heart, I'm a loner, though. Um, there's a lot of people like that. A lot of people that you see on social media who are popular, they're really kind of introverts. Mm. you know. Uh, but I went to the military. I got kicked out. I had a bad attitude. I was fighting. Um, I was too young to be away from home. Um, and I wasn't, I pride myself on being mature, but I wasn't very mature as far as how I see the world. And I was uncultured. So I'm in, I immediately go to the military. So, you know, you graduate, most of us graduated in May. I went to the military in August. I didn't give myself like a lot of time. I worked during the summer and then I had like a going away party. And I went to the military. Uh, I chose the Navy because I know how to swim. One of the few niggas who know how to swim. You know what I'm saying? Hey, shout uh, out to us. Uh, and when I got there, it was a big culture shock. First of all, I'm not really good with rules. As soon as I got off the bus, they're like, yeah, stand in line. Don't speak. Don't do this. And I was like, I don't know what I got myself into. Because <laughs> uh, I challenge authority if I think you, you're wrong. And uh, I was in a division with 87 other men of varying, varying ages, different cultural backgrounds, um, people who, are, who have a lot of pride and a lot of ego which I don't do well with. Um, I got into it with a couple people, nothing really major. Um, but one major thing, two major things happened that led me getting kicked out. And when I got kicked out of the military, I came home, I started working dead end jobs. And uh, I just so happened to make a long story short, running to Corey Ward, who you know, shout out to my brother Corey Ward, a chance meeting, but I think it was God. Um, he was in the exact same position I was. I was staying with my aunt. He was staying with his aunt. He was the same age as me. It was very weird. Um, and we were walking around an apartment complex at night. And he was like, uh, me, I'm assertive. So I hollered at him. I was like, man, are you following me? It's like same time every night. We're walking around a complex. But we're like thoughtful people. And, he, you know, we started talking. And he was just like, are you in school? I'm like, nigga, no, I'm not in school. I'm not going to school. He was like, why not? And I told him high school was a joke. Um, it wasn't challenging. Me, when I'm not challenged, I would do the bare minimum. Marriage, uh, relationships with people, work. If you don't really give me, if you don't force me to think, I'm going to be forced to take the, <laughs> the back seat. <laughs> and I'm not going to apply myself. Right. Uh, and he's, I'll be honest, man, he's the person who got me into community college. He's like, I'm going to help you get enrolled. And he did. And from there, you know, I took off. So while we're talking about challenges, and we talk about things that challenge you, so you were able to go to school, and what, what was the highest level of education that you've uh, achieved to this point? Just so the people who, haven't, who aren't familiar. I have a bachelor's degree in English, literature, June 22nd, I'll be starting my master's degree, and then shortly thereafter, I'll get my PhD. Got you. So, <clears throat> going to school, it teaches you a lot of stuff, right? You have to yeah. learn a lot of things. Yeah. But 
learning is such a perspective type of thing. Like, you have to also learn things about yourself. So when you learn things about yourself, Tremonte, what would you say is a strength of you? What is a strength about Tremonte? I'm a great listener. I'm a great listener, man. Uh, And I'm non-judgmental. I'm a great listener because... I don't listen to respond. I've come to the understanding that most people, especially being married, most people just want to vent. And ironically, I think that's kind of how the wave report form. You know, people just want to come on and tell their story. Um, I don't listen to be like, you should do this or that's wrong. I sit there and I, I hear everything you're saying. And instead of saying, that's crazy, <laughs> we don't. people are, that's crazy you to, to death. Um, by what I ask and what I inquire about, you'll know I was really paying attention to your story. I'm a great listener. Uh, I have a way of bringing people together who wouldn't otherwise talk to each other. So sometimes, especially if you see me on social media, I'll post something divisive on purpose. But people know it's me doing it, so there's no ill intent. I want to welcome everybody to talk to each other because there's nothing more powerful than... People connecting. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're gay. I don't care if you're black. If you're white. If you're a woman. I don't care. If you can talk with each other, and if you can disagree in a civil way, that's more powerful than being hateful towards somebody, Correct. or judging someone's opinion, or just being negative to someone who's different from you. We're all different. We're all unique. I have a way of bringing people together, and. Getting people to be honest about who they are. Uh, and that's something I picked up over time. Okay. Uh, so I, I think those are my my two best strengths. So, real quick, what's your weaknesses? Dang, man. I don't want you to think about it too much. <sighs> God, man. I can be very cold. I can be extremely cold, man. And I won't talk to you. I won't talk to you. Another one of my weaknesses... Some people say it could be a strength, but I see it as a weakness because it's going to lead to negativity. I am extremely confrontational. Uh, that works well when you're in the hood, and you have to. I walk up to you. You're in corporate America when you're dealing with a woman. Being brash and blunt and standing in front of somebody, especially if you just somebody in a grocery store. If if you're my supervisor, you're my manager, or if we're out somewhere at a party or a gathering, if you say something to me and I interpret it as, I seem like you're like you're kind of like trying me or you're trying to be slick because I pick up on sarcasm well. If you're trying to be slick, I walk up to you. And nine times out of ten in my life, <clears throat> nine times out of ten, where I've confronted someone, they've always said, "Oh, you know what? I ain't even mean it like that." Because you're not really confrontational like you portray yourself to be. But I've learned that it's more important to sometimes just let people be. You don't always have to snap on people. You don't always have to, hey, man, what you say? If your boss say something, you're like, hey, man, you're not finna, you know what I mean? You don't have to be like that. Um, Those are my two glaring weaknesses. And I, I learned that more with my wife, you know, just being... Like, hey man, don't no, don't talk to me that way. 
and that can shut somebody down. Because some people don't, I'm, I mean being sincere, some people don't really mean what they say. Right. They're just in the moment. Now, I have less empathy for you if you're a dude and you, <laughs> and you do that. Uh, but those are my glaring weaknesses, man. That's something I, I try my best to work on. So being in the moment yeah. and applying empathy to a few things. Tremonte, I, wanna, I, I want to do something a little bit different here. I want to have you expound on something from a little bit of word association. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say a word and I want you to expound on I want you to expound on what that means to you. Like I just tell me a little bit about it. So here we go. So the first one I'm going to drop on you is so I'm doing one word, right? No, no, no. Oh, you said you, word association. I'm going to say something to you and without thinking about it long at all. I just want you to tell me how you feel about it. So here we go. The first one. Your wife. Jesus. My wife represents what Christ represented. She's compassionate. She's empathetic. Even when I think she should go for the jugular. Uh, She's kind. She's assertive. She's strong. And she's she's forgiven. Those are all the qualities he embodied. That's my name for her in my phone. That's my, that's my savior. That's that, that's who she is. And she never has any ill intentions towards people. I'm the one who has to try to get her to have ill intentions. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what my wife is to me. So the next one I want to ask you about. Uh, just I'm gonna say one thing, and you tell me how you feel about it. Being black in America. That's tough. Take your time. Being black in America, unfortunate. Unfortunate. And not by any doing of our own. I don't want to go too long. It's you. You got it. It's you. You got it. We got this. Everywhere you look, it's owned by white people. Hip-hop, who do the rappers get their check from? White people. They're signed to labels who are ran by white people. Every basketball owner outside of Michael Jordan is white. Every NFL owner is white. NHL, MLB, soccer. Your favorite restaurant, owned by a white person. Educational laws are written by white people. Um, everywhere you go, man, the automobile industry, white history is written by white people because they enslaved us. Um, nowhere you can turn where it's black owned. Black people have a part in it. Black people own restaurants, but in the ecosystem, it's predominantly white. Um, black people have owned clothing lines, as we know. But the big ones, the people, the ones that the black people promote the most, they're owned by white people. So everywhere you look, it's like, man, it's everybody, everybody's white. Most of the people that have been your supervisors or your managers over the course of your life are white. 
the system was not designed for us. One one thing in particular that that definitely shine a light. So Obama is black. He's half black, but he's black. They talked about his wife. They talked about his kids. How did this nigga still have class? I do not know. How did he do it with so much grace and such professionalism? I have no idea. White people, most white people don't like black people. They tolerate us because they have to in a way. Law enforcement, white people. If I get arrested and I go to court, my public defender is more than likely white. The judge is more than likely white. The jury is more than likely white. The only people who are black are my family who come to see me get sentenced. And then I go to prison where 90% of the population looks like me. Everybody in here guilty. That's impossible. It's unfortunate to be black in America, even when you're an educated black man, even when you're a successful black man. You would think if, you know, Floyd Mayweather, Jay-Z, people that have worked hard to get to where they are, man, maybe they look at them differently. They don't look at them differently. As rich as Floyd Mayweather is, who cuts his check? That, that, that goes to show you, man, you're only getting higher and higher in their system that benefits them. How do I know that it benefits them? Zimmerman's walking around like a regular citizen after killing someone on camera. Um, the white man who killed Ahmad on camera. Uh, the white officer who killed George Floyd on camera. Mind you, I'm saying on camera. Um, Breonna Taylor, that's her name. They ran to her house unannounced. And then they took the dude to jail because he started shooting. What you think I'm going to do? If you break in my house and you don't say who you are. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start shooting to protect my lady. And then you say, oh, well, the dude we was looking for, we, he was already locked up. You didn't check the address? You didn't try to see if he was already locked up? And you, you think that being hopeful and being optimistic, you would think that, man, you know what? Someday it's going to change. But the problem problem is the system. We've had one black president. One. There's been 45 presidents. 44. We, so we're not really talking. <laughs> it could, it could not. <laughs> so we're not, <laughs> we're not talking about the original eight, like in the Articles of Confederation. So we're talking about since. So we've had 44, 44 presidents. Only one black one. That shows little little kids who look like us that I can't really get there. I've only seen one person who really looked like me and they demonized them to the point when Barack Obama went off, he had all black hair. When he came out you aged like 15 years. That happened before the real the stress, the stress man and of, of carrying a country and a people, they mm -hmm. don't really like you man. It's somebody, he's from Chicago. He's not he's not from like like a like an affluent, he's just from Chicago, and he worked his way to get him and his wife. 
and you don't like them. Black people should not be coming up for black people should not be coming up for a solution. We should not be coming up with a solution for a problem we didn't create. You cannot ask me, okay, what do we do if you're white? No, you benefit from the problem that I'm suffering from. What are you going to do about it? Why do I have to fix it? I didn't do anything. Why, why does it take me longer to get a small business loan? Why do I have to, if I come in and get my car serviced, I come in, I'm already waiting two hours. You come in as a white person, you come in, get serviced and leave. I'm still waiting here. If I, it's, it's, it's on all levels, man. And it's, it's because of your skin color. People like to say, well, it's because of this, because of this. Just keep it real, man. It's because I'm black. And I accept that. It's because I'm black. I could be waiting to get served at a restaurant. A white person come in, you'll seat them before me. I've been here. Oh, we, we forgot you were there. Ironic. Because in history, you forget we're here, too. Talk that shit. You, it's, it's, uh, whenever I see a black man get murdered, and it's a visceral effect because, and this is not the proper way to respond, but I do tell myself, if this were me, if I were in this position, I'm going to react violently. Once again, it's not the correct way to respond. But there's a calling on my life. I have stuff to do, man. I'm not going to let one of y'all policemen who got bullied when you were younger, now you want to grow up and be a policeman, take me away from what I have to do. I'm this true story. I was, I was walking today in the back of my condos. There's a trail. I was walking, and I seen a sheriff's car out there. And the first thing I think of is, hope you don't try to follow me. With everything that's going on, as soon I could tell when the sheriff saw me from a distance, maybe like 20 feet. The car drove off. It's like, I'm not finna deal with this. All this going on, I'm not finna have another one. It shouldn't have to be like that, but it's like that currently because of the climate, man. It's unfortunate to be a black man in America because I can literally be doing nothing. You will kill me. You'll kill me. You take me away from my family. You take me away from my dreams. And it's something that's not really mentioned with a lot of black men. Who get killed. A lot of these guys are young, man. They haven't really lived. Tamir Rice, Trayvon, you haven't lived their life. You haven't even given me a chance to go see what the world is like. To go travel, to get married, to be in love, to have a child. That's heartbreaking. And with that, that make that forces somebody like me, who's not a docile person, like man, I, I be damn man, y'all not finna, I'm gonna go out blazing. Mm-hmm. I'm an American citizen. I shouldn't have to think like that. I shouldn't have to dress different to be accepted. I shouldn't have to drive in the daytime. I could drive at night. I party just like you. I shouldn't have to alter anything to live a safe and healthy life. But. We gotta, we, we're the ones who have to, I have to go protest for a right that's given, you gave it to me already. Why do I have to keep reminding you that I'm a human being? And because I have to remind you that I can tell you don't, you don't think I'm a human being. You don't think that I deserve equal rights as you. If I, if I, if I killed somebody within that day, 
I'm going to be in jail within that day. Speedy trial. You're going to get me out of here. <laughs> Police officers, they don't even, and they've been, once again, a lot of them are white. You go into the courtroom, there's a white judge. You have a white lawyer. Paid for. Nice. They're going to get you off. They're going to get you off. Even if you live with the guilt, you don't have to live behind bars. Like my dad was in prison. A lot of our, a lot of our black kings, they locked down for drugs. For drugs. Nonviolent offense. For drugs. You killed somebody on camera and you going to Publix. You going to the movies with your family. This nigga has sold a few bricks of cocaine. How did cocaine get here? It wasn't by us. I can't make it out of thin air. But you can, you can, you can continuously kill somebody. It's, it's almost like a sitcom. Monday night. Let me turn on. What's going on right now? Nine o'clock. Every new week is an episode. Oh, he, oh, he died. And it's so, it's so to the point now. It's becoming numb. Oh, it's, it's no. Well, I'll tune in next week. Who gonna, who gonna die next? Storylines change, characters stay the same. So, <clears throat> Tremonte, I am now going to start to be, uh, close everything, but here's what we're going to do. I did some word association, and I had you expound upon it. Now I want you to give me one answer to the words I'm going to give you, and then we'll start to wrap up from there. So here we go. Alright. And everything we've talked about, Trumonte. Best hip hop album you've ever heard. Illmatic. Next. Favorite rapper of all time. Nas. Next. Best three album run of all time. Nas. Hmm. That's different. <laughs> uh I don't like Kanye. I want to say Kanye, but I, you was gonna say DMX, I was going. Ah. Um, not not three, not three. So not two, three. okay. So <laughs> next, uh-huh. and this will be my final question. You can expound upon this as much as you would like. Mm-hmm. Black man in America, educated, pretty amazing guy. Really is. I'm okay. But from your perspective, you know, Nipsey passed when he was young. Yeah. Kobe passed when he was young. Yeah. Yeah. They all have legacies. Yeah. They do. You're just a working man in t- from Tampa, hard working man from Tampa Bay, college educated. Mm-hmm. Tremonte, what would you say your legacy is? If I died today. If I died today. That's a good question, man. If I die today, man, my legacy is is simple. Um, I I think my legacy would be that everybody that I run into, hopefully, um, they know that I love them. I wish it could be more profound, more philosophical, but I think everybody that I've encountered, I had a conversation with Dave, seen through not just me telling them, but they through my actions that I love them. I love them for who they are, 
not who I think they should be. Um, and uh, it's it's hard, man. It's hard for me to receive love, but it's easy for me to give it. I know this sounds crazy. It's in the Bible. Cut it out. I know that, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's uh, it's hard for me, man, to to receive love. Cause you know how it is, man. Mm-hmm. I grew up on survival. I didn't grow up. I didn't learn how to live until I was in my twenties, man. I just knew how to survive. But I hope that people I ran into, people we've had on the wave report, people um, that we've touched, they just know that I love them, man. And I will always love them, even when I'm gone. I hope they'll still be able to feel my love, and know that it's okay to just be you. You don't have to do nothing extra. Man, I, I got to thank you for sharing your my story. My boy, my boy, fresh off the Rona. You did what I'm saying? <laughs> fresh off the Rona. See, th- that's the one thing that I, I pride myself in in the Wave Report more than anything. Not the Rona part. But the fact that we invite people to come on and share their story. Uh-huh. Um, so we've told you ours. We're ready to hear yours. Uh-huh. Keep watching. Subscribe to the page. Stay in tune with us. Stay in touch with us. Because here at the Wave Report, we're better when we we're better when we do it together. My name is Joe Waters. For Tremonte, get in touch with us. Yes, sir. We're ready to tell your story too. Peace.